Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The James Wilson Show. My name is James Wilson, and today we'll get to some more updates on the coronavirus with updated stats and politicizing this pandemic. On top of that, we'll get to some Twitter madness as well as potential VP candidate Kamala Harris. My name is James Wilson. This is The James Wilson Show. All right, so we're back for another episode. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Before I started, you know, as I was preparing to do this podcast, I was thinking about how much we've talked about coronavirus on the show over the past couple of days, and I tried to come up with an episode where I didn't talk about the coronavirus, focused on some more important news. Obviously, coronavirus is very important at this moment, but I honestly couldn't find very much. So here we are again with some more coronavirus updates. Now, coronavirus is going to have, as I've said in the past in multiple episodes before, not only is coronavirus going to be a significant pandemic and disease issue in terms of public health, but it's also going to dramatically affect the economy of the United States as it already has and how it will in the future. There's lots of new statistics out that the unemployment rate, if not taken care of, this pandemic at the moment, could raise to up to 20%, which is incredibly high. Everything Trump has done, has been able to do in his presidency, has been wiped away by this coronavirus as the stock market dropped below 20,000 uh, 20,000, the Dow Jones, and unemployment rate possibly rising as this thing gets worse. Now, the hope is that the coronavirus will not get worse and we'll be able to take care of that before then, but there's mixed opinions on whether this will be able to happen or not. So first we get into some basic coronavirus stats. Now, before we get into the episode, as long as we're talking about the coronavirus, I'll give you some new updates from John Hopkins coronavirus website. That gives us some updated statistics on how many people have recovered, how many people have it, etc., etc., to help you understand what's happening, how 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 the coronavirus has progressed over the uh, the span of the time that I have not been able to talk on the show. So we'll get right into that. So there has been two hundred forty-three thousand nine hundred twelve total confirmed cases of COVID-19, just another name for the coronavirus, with China um, with 81,000, Italy at 41,000, and all other countries below that. Now, if you think about that, 81,000 cases is still a lot. I mean, you start to think about how dangerous this could possibly be. And for one country to have 81,000 cases, that has a very high death rate among older generations. This this is already very serious. So with those statistics, we move on to 9,890 total deaths. Just today, Italy took over the number one spot over China. Not a good thing in this case with a total of 3,405 deaths, as before today they actually had lower deaths than China, as we'll get into later as we talk about coronavirus again today. Uh, this, this, This disease, this virus, did originate 
in China, so there was obviously a lot more deaths, a lot more infections, a lot more cases confirmed in there. There's still a lot in China and in surrounding areas, but Italy actually surpassed them just today. And then Iran. Surprisingly, Iran has the third most cases with 1,284. Now on to more, a more positive note, 85,701 people have recovered from the coronavirus, um, with 58,381 being from China. So that's good news as we see lots of people recovering. However, 9,890 deaths is very significant, almost 10,000 deaths. Uh, almost certainly will this probably rise um, over 10,000 as we continue the show tomorrow. So very significant, scary numbers. There is some promise, which we'll get to in the Give Me Liberty Short coronavirus episode. But as of right now, this still is a very serious issue, very serious pandemic that should be taken care of, that should be watched and addressed by the United States government to make sure that for the safety of public health and the economy that things don't ultimately collapse. Now, in some of the later episodes, I'm actually planning on talking about how much the government can actually do before it infringes on your rights. California just informed all people to stay home now as San Francisco before decided to shut down businesses. And we'll get into some of the constitutional rights you have to have, you know, own property and how that could possibly be violated by the government telling you you have to shut down your business. We will not get into that in this episode today, but that's just to look forward to something to come. So that's all the updated statistics of COVID-19 at this moment, and now we'll move to the politics and policies of this pandemic and politicizing this pandemic. So as we've talked about on the show before, the coronavirus has been completely politicized. And, you know, you start to think about why this has been, and it actually makes a lot of sense when you start to think about it. The Democrats just failed to impeach Trump just months prior to this. They're obviously probably pretty upset about this. And not only that, but it hurt their polling numbers in general. It helped Trump. Many people believe and still believed, or at least up until this point, that Trump was going to be able to run on the economy, such a great economy, such a great unemployment rate, to easily breeze through the 2020 election and to have four more years. Now, obviously, there's some concern about this as Trump's economy has been wiped out, and this is just another attempt for Democrats to try to wipe out that lead for President Trump, and because they couldn't impeach him on charges that were completely inaccurate and misrepresentative of what actually happened on the Ukraine call. But aside from that, this is just another attempt to try to shut down President Trump and try to get a, a the Democratic nominees such as Bernie Sanders or Joe Biden to win the presidency in 2020, this year, obviously. So their latest attempt is to pump money into ads against President Donald Trump and to blame him for this global pandemic, the coronavirus. So the Daily Wire reports, Democratic Democrat dark money groups are linking up, joining forces for a multi-million dollar ad company designed to convince voters that President Donald Trump should bear the blame for the American coronavirus pandemic. The Washington Post reports that 
PACRONYM, a Democratic megagroup focused on the 2020 presidential election, will spend at least $5 million in the first defensive attack of the 2020 presidential campaign season, airing commercials in key battleground states blaming Trump for ignoring the group, the growing coronavirus threat. Quote, this is a public health issue and a national security issue, but it's also a public policy issue and thus a political one. One Democratic official associated with Packer told the Post. Now, before we get into this, by all means, I'm not suggesting that the that Democrats should not have the freedom of speech to do that. Just before, I am big on the Constitution and constitutional freedoms, as we'll get into how that works with the coronavirus and you know growing, growing the government to help to quote unquote help um, the economy and the public health. We'll get into that. But by no means am I saying that that Democrats shouldn't have the freedom of speech to do this. Everyone should have the freedom of speech to say what they want. Now, what I am saying is what they are doing is completely wrong. All right. Let me read this again. The Democratic official said, quote, This is a public health issue and a national security issue, but it's also a public policy issue and thus a political one. So this Democrat, associated with PACRONYM, has just declared in their own words that the coronavirus is a big public health issue and a national security threat, which is obviously true. The coronavirus was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization. It's very dangerous, has killed almost 10,000 people at this point, serious issue, businesses are shutting down, even Walmart's limiting its store hours. This is a big issue. So then my my question to Packernim becomes, why the heck are you spending $5 million on attack ads? Why are you spending so much money? If this is such a big issue, which it is, why are you spending that money on attacking Trump, not actually addressing the issue? Now, let me give another example of this, as we've seen, that just kind of, it shows the hypocrisy of this all. So Al Gore, you know, spent a ton of money on a private jet to go around the country, around the world, to tell people that climate change is bad. Now, regardless of what you think of climate change is bad, if you do think that climate change is bad and that it's a real issue, then you would also probably agree that private jets aren't best for the environment. And someone who decides to do this is kind of being hypocritical as as what they're doing is directly in contrast of what they're saying, the message they're trying to spread. And this is the same thing that Pacronym is doing. This is a big issue. This is a terrible issue. So, you know, we have $5 million and we're going to spend it on attack ads on Trump. We're not going to try to help people. We're not going to try to donate it to places most affected. We're not going to try to give it to a cause that might help limit the spread of coronavirus that is ravaging the world at this point. No, we're going to spend it on attacking Donald Trump because that, that, if anything, that doesn't help the issue, that doesn't address the issue. It just makes it worse. It's politicizing the pandemic. Now, uh, Politicizing a pandemic is serious for many reasons. I, I mean, as I've stated before, just on this episode alone, the pandemic could have dramatic effects. This pandemic could have dramatic effects on jobs, on the economy, on our public health. So this is what you're really trying to do with all of this. Now, when you start to realize what they're actually, what they're actually doing, what they're actually talking about, 
Look, if you wanted to get anything done, all you have to do is work together. Now, I'm not saying that the United States has the best response to this ever. It's pretty, it's pretty poor to this point right now. But if you want to get anything done, you can't be fighting with each other. This is something that we should have bipartisan agreement on of what to do. Now, there might be some different solutions out there. I've heard, you know, full out giving money to citizens. I've also heard cutting taxes, cutting sales taxes. Obviously, there's going to be a debate on what best to do to help aid Americans during this time. But when you're just blaming each other, when you're blaming both sides for this, it doesn't help anything. It doesn't do anything. And it just makes the problem worse. And what that's going to do is increase the effects that it will have on the job, on the economy, and the public health. Now, again, like I said before, Democrats, this mega group, have the freedom of speech to do whatever they want. They can also use their money to do this if they want. It just seems kind of hypocritical to say that this is a national security issue, that this is a public health issue, and then spend all this money that could be used towards helping this pandemic and blaming it on Donald Trump. Interesting thoughts there. Uh, next, let's get on to some Twitter madness. So I know I was trying to move away from the coronavirus. Yeah, you know, Twitter sounds away from the coronavirus. No, we're still going to talk about the coronavirus, actually. So as you know, Twitter has increased its restrictions on what you can post on Twitter. Uh, this has been used mainly on President Donald Trump and what he can actually say, which let's actually let's actually get into that for a second. Just freedom of speech in general. Now, you know, the big argument on the left is that freedom of speech should be limited because you have you know, areas of speech such as hate speech, you know, racism, sexism, all these sorts of things that are dangerous and, you know, bad and not good. I mean, mo all reasonable people can agree that racism is bad and that making racist comments are bad. I mean, I hope we can all agree on that. But the idea with limiting freedom of speech is you don't know what's actually going to happen. You don't know how out of control this is going to become. Now, let me give you an example. When the founders when were fighting the American Revolution, if they talked bad about the government, you know, signing that Declaration of Independence was a threat to their lives. So having freedom of speech in that case, to try to speak against the government, in that case was considered hate speech or considered speech that was not fair or unreasonable or bad to the American, to, to the public, the British public, whatever you want to call it. And so then that could be shut down. Now, the same thing is happening here. Twitter is trying to limit some of its features so you can't say certain things. And of course, as Republicans, you know, as Republicans had suggested, this is only working one way. So it's it's been used a lot for President Trump limiting what he can do, what he can say, but not so much the other side, which is the big problem with limiting the freedom of speech. Like, for example, let's talk about some of the conservative ideas that that other people strongly disagree with. So first, the idea that there are only two genders. To suggest that there are only two genders, the government can start saying that because you're saying that, you can offend someone 
who may be transgender. And now that is qualified as hate speech, and if you say that, you can go to jail, which limits ideas. It limits it, it limits the ideas of biology. Like, I mean, just to start. But hate speech assumes that one opinion always has the moral objective authority to tell the other group that they're wrong and what they're saying is bad. Now, in in many cases, this might often be true, such as white supremacy, bad. Slavery, bad. All these sorts of things are very bad, and you know, the world would be a better place if no one said them. However, you can't really control what people say and what they don't say, and when you start to place limits on what hate speech is, the definition can change and change on specific groups of people, such as people who believe that there's only two genders. Another example, abortion. Someone can come out and say that abortion is killing another human being and that that should be stopped. Now, the government can come out and say, you just, you oppressed women who want to get abortion, and now they don't feel safe anymore around you. So now you're going to go to jail for saying that. Not only does the freedom of speech limiting it, you know, hurt ideas, it limits the ideas and thoughts, philosophy, politics that you can have in the United States, but it can completely be used against any side to limit what they can and can't say, to limit the ideas that they can have, and to set up a tyranny. That's exactly how the British did it against the Americans. You can't speak out against the government, or guess what? You're not going to be seen again. That's the same in the Chinese government. You don't want to speak out against the Chinese government if you're in China, because all of a sudden, one day, you're just going to be gone. If you have any ideas that oppose the government, you're gone. So that's why I am opposed to limiting the free free speech even though there are some sorts of speech, you know, white supremacy, slavery, that is very bad, and the world would be a better place if, you know, no one said those things. So going back to Twitter. So they obviously made some new rules, you know, took down some of Trump's stuff, and now Biden comes out with a video that misrepresents what Trump actually said. So first, let's get to what Trump actually said, right? So he said, Quote, coronavirus, they're politicizing it. We did one of the great jobs. You say, how's President Trump doing? Oh, nothing, nothing. They have no clue. They don't have any clue. And this is their new hoax. But you know we did something that's been pretty amazing. Now, Joe Biden, his campaign, his video ad, turned this into Trump, Trump saying, I mean, not directly in quotes, but Trump basically saying that the coronavirus is a hoax. Now, first of all, I mean, if you actually believe that Trump thinks the coronavirus is a hoax, I, I, I have a hard time understanding that opinion. Because as you can see from what's happening to the economy, especially, one of Trump's big talking points was the economy and that it was so great and that was going to be an easy re-election for him. Well, now that's gone. Now the stock market's dropped below 20, the Dow Jones has dropped below 20,000. So if Trump isn't treating this thing seriously, his re-election campaign isn't going to look good either. That's one of the great things about democracy. You have to worry about the issues that are affecting the American people. Because guess what, if you don't, you're just not going to be re-elected. So obviously this is going to be in Trump's main importance to focus on the coronavirus and eliminate it so you can boost the economy back up, boost the unemployment rate down again so that everyone's happy and he can be reelected. 
If he can't do those things, his re-election chances are are very dramatically uh, not as good as they were before. So the president, whoever it is, in Trump this case, has to act in the public interest to seek re-election. So the idea that Trump actually thinks the coronavirus is a hoax doesn't really make any sense personally to me. So the you know Trump, the Trump campaign came out and pointed this out to Twitter, saying, "Hey, you know, you have some new regulations you've used against me. I want you to use it against him." So uh, this was a letter to Twitter from the chief of staff before this whole thing went down. It said. It appears that many people employed by big tech corporations in Silicon Valley are assisting the Biden campaign by instituting a special Biden protection rule that effectively censors and silences legitimate political speech Biden's campaign and its supporters do not like. In order for American elections to remain free and fair, it is critical that the Biden campaign be held to the same standard it is demanding applies to others. Therefore, Donald J. Trump for President Incorporated is formally requesting that Twitter apply its new, quote, manipulated media label to a doctored and deceptive edited video tweeted by the Biden campaign less than a week ago. This Biden campaign video manipulates audio and video of President Trump in order to mislead Americans and give a false impression. So Biden took him out of context. Trump gets mad because Twitter's all big on regulating Trump. So Trump comes out, his chief of staff comes out and says, hey, let's, you know, you have this new rule you've used against me. Now let's make it so, you know, that Joe Biden can't do these sorts of things. And Twitter objected. And this is the whole reason why many conservatives aren't a fan of limiting freedom of speech. Because freedom of speech, limiting it, usually works one way. There's grant, you grant immunization to one side and not the other, which is absolutely ridiculous. That is one of the biggest reasons why we should have freedom of speech, because once you limit it, you don't know how far it's going to be limited. You know, many people are asking for the regulation of, for example, hate speech, as we've already talked about, but what is hate speech going to turn into? Is it going to turn into if you oppose abortion, if you oppose gun control, if you oppose the fact that there are you know, if you, if you only think that there are two genders, is that now going to turn into hate speech? And that's why it's such a slippery slope that you can't regulate, you can't regulate speech or else all speech is in danger from the other side. So very annoying from Twitter. (laughs) I'll just, I'll just say that for now. And to conclude this episode, we'll also be talking about Kamala Harris as a potential running mate. So there has been new talk as Joe Biden is looking more and more like he's going to be the presidential Democratic nominee for the Democrats, uh, who his vice president will be. Now, in the last debate, he already narrowed down his choices by 50%, saying that his vice president candidate will have to be a woman. So that is severely limited his choices down to 50%, so cut off half of all potential candidates at this point. So that leaves, you know at least of the former presidential candidates for 2020, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Tulsi Gabbard, and Kamala Harris, which, not saying that he has to pick someone who ran for president this time around, but it is kind of nice. People already know what they believe in, all that sort of ideology, background. They already know the candidate that could help them defeat 
President Trump come, you know, the 2020 election. So one of the biggest, one of the biggest candidates at this point who has been talked about to be Joe Biden's vice president, or at least vice presidential nominee, is Kamala Harris. Now, if you go back to the June debates, Kamala Harris actually severely attacked Joe Biden, and then her support went up, and then his support went down. And now, it's kind of, it kind of went opposite. Kamala Harris tried to attack him again. Didn't really work. Joe Biden stayed the same, and Kamala Harris quickly dropped out. Now, this would be an interesting candidate to pick because she did drop out of the race fairly early. So if Joe Biden would want to pick Kamala Harris because she is a woman and because she is black, it would be an interesting choice just because Joe Biden has a lot of black support you know, at this point. And it's interesting, as Kamala Harris is actually you know, a woman of color who used to run, uh, she dropped out. So Joe Biden definitely has more black support than Kamala Harris. The just the question becomes whether what how much he would actually add to Joe Biden's campaign. So that's a question we'll get into more as Joe Biden becomes the nominee, or at least is looking more and more likely at this point, and who his running mate should actually be. My name is James Wilson. This is the James Wilson Show. <laughs>